Hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host Jessica Dwyer. We are back after a very long, long hiatus and I promise to uh, have more episodes for you more frequently in the future. Uh, If you didn't know, there was some stuff going on in the world around us and uh, that along with some other things have caused some delays. But we are back and I am very excited because it is the month of Halloween. Uh, That is the name of October, Uh, even though, you know, it's known as October, I call it the month of Halloween because it is 31 days of Halloween, and that's just how it is. Um, This episode is going to be one of two episodes that we're going to post before Halloween hits us on October 31st, Um, and this one is really special. Um, It's kind of a tie-in. As many of you know, I write for Horror Hound Magazine, and uh, the upcoming issue for this month is packed to the gills with uh, uh, Halloween kills. That rhymed. I didn't plan that. Uh, But anyway, it is in fact wrapped up with all kinds of Michael Myers goodness. And uh, we got an exclusive cover on the issue. And I have all sorts of interviews in there. And uh, the one that I'm sharing with you tonight is going to be the unedited interview I had with director David Gordon Green, who is amazing director. Uh, I loved Halloween Kills. I loved Halloween 2018. And I am very, very anxious to see how they wrap this trilogy up with Halloween Ends uh, next year. But uh, Halloween Kills was just fantastic. Uh, It just uh, so many levels of, of amazing goodness in that movie. And there was humor, there was just dark, there's a mirror being held up against society. Um, it's very timely. It's very amazingly good. Uh, I won't do any spoilers here, but as you've probably seen online, there is uh, Dr. Loomis and Dr. Loomis was done without CG, which is what I thought it was. Um, but, uh, Chris Nelson and company did an amazing job creating and bringing back to life Donald Pleasance with uh, a gentleman by the name of Tom Jones Jr. I don't know if he's related. Uh, maybe, but, uh, it was just an amazing movie. I absolutely loved it. And apparently a lot of other people did too, because even though you could stream it for, on, on Peacock, um, if you have a subscription, uh, it wouldn't be free, but you could watch it on Peacock if you had the subscription. It raked in $50 million on a Thursday release, and that is pretty damn impressive for not only an R-rated horror film, but during a pandemic and on on one that was also being streamed on a service. So well done, Michael Myers. Well fucking done, sir. Yeah. Um, But... uh, just a fantastic movie. Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, everybody, Andy Matichek. Uh Just just a great film. I, I loved it. And there's some haters out there, I'm sure. But you know what? Numbers don't lie. So I think a lot of other people enjoyed it as well. Anyway, uh, this episode is going to feature my interview with David Gordon Green. Uh, he is a horror geek uh, of the highest order. Uh, if you didn't see the Halloween, um, hoedown on the last drive-in that featured him as a guest, uh, he was wearing his vintage Frankenhooker t-shirt that he actually got from Joe Bob Briggs back when he was, uh, in his twenties, 
uh, growing up. Uh, and it's, it just was so fantastic to see him and Jason Bloom, um, or Blum, I, I, Bloom, Blum, Blum, I guess, uh, on, on there and Joe Bob just geeking out with these guys and talking horror. I could just listen to that for the rest of my life. But, um, anyway, this episode is going to feature my interview, unedited, uncut, with David Gordon Green, and you're going to hear me geek out with him about Jaws and everything, and it is a great time, and it is, uh, I'm very proud of the uh, work I did for this film, um, coverage. It, just such a, just a great group of people to talk to and, uh, talk about what this movie is about. So, um. Yeah, I, I'm very excited for you to hear it. So I am, again, very excited to share this with you. Um, pick up the next issue of Horror Hound. It should be hitting stands right now. And that will have my interviews with Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, David Gordon Green, Andy Matichek, Judy Greer, and Anthony Michael Hall. So we, we got pretty much everybody for this issue. And it also has an exclusive cover uh, that was given to us by the fine folks at Universal Studios. Um, it is a great issue. I'm so excited for you to have it um, and, and read that through. It gives some great insight into the film, um, into what it's about. Uh, and what uh, it was like filming this. And it's great to hear Anthony Michael Hall be just super excited about being a part of the Halloween franchise. And the fact that he admits he is stalking all of the fan sites online and YouTube channels to learn about it. And uh, he was just blown away by the Halloween fandom, which no one should be surprised because Halloween is fantastic. Uh, anyway, here it comes, guys. I hope you enjoy this interview, and we will be back with another episode in a few days uh, that will have another fantastic interview for you, this one with Bill Mosley, the legend himself, uh, and we'll be talking about uh, Prisoners of the Ghostlands in that one. So I hope you enjoy this uh, episode. Enjoy the interview. I'll see you on the next episode of Fangirl Radio. So I have a lot of questions for you <laughs> and um, I'm going to try and not get you to spoil anything, but I can't promise I'm not going to try and pry a little bit out of you. Okay. See where, <laughs> see where it goes. So first question, sequels are always difficult because you have to follow up on the amazing work that you did with the, the first one. What was the challenges of this sequel um, considering how just blown away everybody was with the with Halloween. Um, the challenges were to make sure we did something that appreciated where we're coming from, but had a, a new destination and approach to where we're going. Gotcha. So, so you know, you got to make something that's uh, similar but different. You don't want to do the same thing over. I mean, I don't want to make the same movie again, and. Um, so it was an opportunity to expand the canvas, bring new characters in, and take a, a slightly more aggressive tone uh, to the filmmaking. Uh, and, and I think that's what you'll find in, in this movie. And uh, so the first film, this is one thing I wanted to add, I, I, I want to find out from you and how you work this. Because the first film was more granted in reality. Um, you know, you did away with the supernatural aspects. He was just a real brutal force of nature um, type of killer. Um, 
more so than the original films. How do you keep Michael going after the beating he took in the first film and not lose that realism? Um, that's a, it is, it is a challenge. You know, luckily he's a very he's spectacular. I wouldn't say he's supernatural, but he's a spectacular um, uh, creature on Earth. So he is very resilient and persistent and he doesn't stop. So you've got someone that has that type of... Uh, you've got a, a, a villain that has that kind of character trait about them. So you can go you can go a long way, but it's subjective. But we, we found our line of where we think he can get back up. You know, So I, I, I feel like if I watch the 2018 Halloween, uh, and I know from the past, from the 78 Halloween, that he can get up uh, and, and under tremendous trauma... Um, and physical distress that I, I I've got another I've got another few battles for him. <laughs> um, so now here we're going to go into a little bit of spoiler territory, but I know some things that I've gathered, and I've talked to Jamie, um, also and Judy. So I have a little bit of this uh, that I've gotten from them, but they didn't spoil anything major. They just gave me a little inkling. Um, has it been? It's kind of been figured out that this does take place at a hospital because it kind of has to because Lori was pretty beat up after the first movie, so she yeah. probably needed to get somewhere with some medical attention. She needed some attention. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Kim, you know, it's it's interesting to me that this is taking place at least somewhat in a hospital, and the second movie in the original uh, films took place in a hospital. Kim, um, was that? sort of something that you planned as an homage and also can we expect to see any more nods to Halloween 2 at all in the setting maybe a nurse having her shoes fall off due to something happening to her or a doctor who looks very familiar to an EMT that we had in an original one that made have went to high school with her can you talk about it <laughs> yeah I'll, I can talk about all that stuff um, so it's an ensemble movie with a lot of different characters and a lot of locations Lori is we pick up right where the last one left off and Lori needs to go get some medical attention so we, we do have a, um, a number of set pieces in a hospital I don't know that it's an homage as much as um, as we asked ourselves a lot of the same questions that John Carpenter asked when making his Halloween or you know he didn't direct it but in, when he, he approached there, he was approached about the uh, the previous Halloween sequel. Mm. So there, and, and you know we have him as our consultant slash Godfather slash composer. So he's very present <laughs> very in our present. stories, and so it is fun to have him as a sounding board. And a lot of he would laugh a lot of times when we'd find ourselves in a roadblock trying to come up with the how or the why, and and he and we were in similar terrain that he was in back in the day. So um, it. it it felt like a logical place for Lori after her significant injuries that she sustained, and, and it would be it was fun. There are, there are a couple of little homages, nothing big, but you'll see like the font that they created from uh, Halloween Two for the hospital. We replicate oh, nice. um, um, 
which also Stranger Things did, I noticed recently. Oh, um, yeah. So, so yeah. I guess we weren't the first, but, um, <laughs> but there's a couple little things like that, and, and uh, you'll see from attire some similarities, but nothing nothing plot-wise or character-wise was, was taken from that gotcha. movie, because we've kind of dismissed, outside of some slivers of playful nods, there's there's not anything that we're taking narratively from the other, the other sequels. Gotcha. Well, and... Um... One thing that that uh, Jamie had said, and I'm just curious about uh, within this film as well, is now the truth is there. Her daughter and her granddaughter have both been through it with her and know, okay, she wasn't crazy. This was all real. Um, and Jamie had said that due to her injury, it's kind of more of Karen's movie in terms of her kind of taking up that baton of defender against the, the boogeyman. Um, can you talk about kind of, you know, creating that and, and making that, um, that change and also how this has affected the relationships between the three of them, how you wrote that? Yeah. I mean, I, I know, I'm not sure it is a change. I mean, I don't know, maybe that's Jamie's perspective on where her character stands, but again, it's, it's a number of characters from, um, Karen and Allison, her close family, surviving family members, but then also, um, Tommy Doyle and Nurse Marion and um, some and, and Sheriff Brackett. You know, we have some returning characters from the '78 film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all have different perspectives. You know, if you're if you're Karen and Allison, and w- where we introduced very relatable, likable, normal type of family functional characters in the 2018 film, now they've been subjected through a night of horror and. Um, we're only halfway through the night, so they have different perspectives on on their grand or on, on Lori, what she's been through. Because now they've gotten a taste, but they also take away different attitudes and agendas based on that horror. So, where one character might be more protective, another might be more aggressive, and so we start to see characters evolve in ways Lori Lori evolves, Karen evolves Allison evolves from what we played with in their 2018 stories to see how they deal with the adventures the rest of the night well, and, and like you said, this expands the cast and brings into play um, classic characters from the original films and, and, uh, I'm, and characters and actors from that original film um can you talk about as a fan yourself how excited you were to actually get to play with these characters and create new stories for them? And when they came on set, I mean, I would have been geeking out a little bit. Yeah, it's fun. So, <laughs> and Lindsay Wallace, I neglected to mention earlier. Oh yeah, um, yeah, Tommy and, and Lindsay. I, I grew up with. I lived two doors down from a girl named Lindsay Wallace, where I grew up. <laughs> And so my whole childhood, I always just thought that was just such a fun, radical coincidence, like the craziest <laughs> thing ever that the little girl on Halloween had the same name as my neighbor. So it was a character that always stood out to me. So to be able, then to be able to realize that, play with her, create that character and um, and see what, you know, use your imagination. I think, what would she be like now? Um, and then you meet someone like Kyle, who is so up for the challenge and and has ideas and has thought about this, right? So it's a character that she didn't, it's not just a job she had when she was a kid and got over it. It's something she thought about. Like, what would happen to 
cool old Lindsay at this, you know, in this day. And so it was fun. I sat down with her before I cast. I, I had an idea of what I wanted to write. And so I met with her and got her thoughts on it. And so we kind of came up with it. And, and she was in line with what me and Danny McBride and Scott Teams were thinking. And so she got set and was, was uh, I mean, we were all very excited and I think pleased with the outcome. So to be able to have the playground be, um, you know, you, you wouldn't cite her as a as a hero, but someone from an iconic franchise of your childhood, and then you get to realize them not only in character but also in, in many in, in several occasions in cast uh, was uh, an absolute geek's privilege. <laughs> you know, that's fantastic. Well, and and uh, the. One thing I wanted to ask about um, before I let I, I lose you here because I know I have about fifteen minutes, but the rumor is you'll be using um, CGI to bring back Doctor Loomis for some scenes. Um, and that's a rumor. That's, that's uh, that is that is completely a very rumor. unconfirmed. And I, and I would say with a movie like this, there's so little money for CGI that that would that they save that for the big blockbusters. We okay. We would be. Uh, we, we, we would we would love to know what we what else we could do with that kind of cash, but it would probably not be in recreating Loomis digitally. <laughs> I got, I, I'm glad you put that to rest because I wanted but to I know. Love for the, sure. I love the I love the theories, and I mean, I kind of don't even want to put it to rest. It's just one of those things that, like, like so many, um, so many things you hear or you know people say that they like, and like it's exciting for me. Um, to hear that people think about it and wonder about it and, and there, there have been test screenings of the movie so people have seen things and then um then then what do they really see versus what do they say they said or what do they see that we cut out from the experience on a, on a test screening so it's it's a it is a strange game to be a filmmaker in this day and age where there's so the ease of communication is so easy but we do several test screenings and i learn from them and and I'll tell you this: no one has seen the ending, <laughs> so it's it's so fun to to think that the even of the people that we've selected, the audiences that I've recruited in, over the last few months to watch the movie, the only one that's seen the movie is that is my key grip. So. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> that's no lie. I, I just think it's so fun that we've been able to complete the movie in kind of a bubble, um, and 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 filter the the, uh, the the rumors and the lore and things like that, which are. All I just feel like are just it's just again it's exciting that people are excited, and well, um, and for me to be in the wheelhouse of um, of story, storytelling that even uh, encompassed Donald Pleasance is is exciting. Oh yeah, no, I I was actually like, oh that's gonna be great because I I love Donald Pleasance. He was like in all the Hammer movies that I like, you know, like Amicus films, all of it, and I was like, oh you know what, I'm okay with that. I want to see if they really do that because I I was thrilled to see the Peter Cushing work that they did in Rogue One. Were, but even that, I mean, they, they haven't nailed it yet. It's no, it's not perfect. <laughs> that's where I, I, I get suspect of CG human faces, but we're really close, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, if you keep them in the shadows and you keep them um, kind of through glass or reflection, I think you could probably do it with the right money and the right visual effects team. Yeah. Um, and, and we, we talk about every, you know, approaches to a lot of these things. And we do a lot of, in this movie, we, there are there is a, a number of recreated sequences from from the 78 film, which is fun. Um, but everything that we would do, we would try to do it practically more, you know, or whatever the most 
for the most part. Got it. Well, and like I said, I, I love the character and I just love Donald Pleasance and I'm, I would have been okay with you guys cause I knew you would have done it right. If you oh, were. yeah, well, that, that, that voice, you know, the, the, yeah, the, yeah, so good. But there's, there's got to be a way, and, and, and that, that is that is an idea we've had several times, is could, could you take sound bites from a character in, a, in an older movie, like the audio of their dialogue, and re, reuse it in a, in a different way, narratively? Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, there's certainly, we're, we're on the, you know, I'm not, I'm not the guy on the cutting edge of technology, I'm still you know, paint with my finger paint and happy to get a canvas. But, um, but, uh, uh, but there's so much that could be done. Sky's, it's almost sky's the limit any day now. You know? Well, and almost, I mean, I've seen um, special effects wise, I've been to KB effects studios and I saw the Greg Nicotero just for, for funsies, for fun. He created all three of the leads from Jaws life size and they look alive. He, Wait, what, what did he, he, he sculpted them? Yeah, they're in K&B, and, and he actually has a couple of the barrels from the actual film, because he bought them, because he's nuts. He bought them there. <laughs> I'm, I'm friends with him, and I can say that. He, but so he, cool. he created Hooper, he created Brody, he created Quint. They're on the, the, just for fun. And they look like they could breathe. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. And so I'm thinking... But did he do that by eye, or do you think he had some sort of scan? Of... Uh, I don't know. He's just that good that yeah. he, he could have probably... And he's seen that movie, that he worships that movie. He probably did it just himself. But if you ever get a chance to go to KMP Studios, yeah, go check that out. Because he's not only got that, but he's got a life-size Anthony Hopkins as Hitchcock that he did. Oh, wow. And you can see the veins... In the yeah. hands. So that's why I'm like, maybe they can get somebody that kind of looks like Donald Pleasance, ma- mac them up in, in makeup, and do it. I mean, it's possible. Makeup is the makeup is the, is the way because you, you got you know you got you got you have to interact with characters and things like that. I have I have a, a difficult time conceiving of digitally generated characters unless it was an entirely animated sequence. You know, then right. then it would be fun. But um, it'd be hard to get an actor to talk to a, you know, I don't know, Roger Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Rabbit. Yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah, if 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 you want, I can email. Um, I can show you the pictures from when I was there, so you can just see them because it's fa- it's just amazing the work he did. And I took yeah, photos cool. of everything, so I can like send them to Lauren and have her forward them to you if you want. Oh, that'd be fun. I'd love to check it out. Yeah, because I'm posing. I got one of me posing with him, like we're all looking to the side, like, oh, there's a shark. Yes. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, and you know, but, but Jaws is an interesting reference. That we, you know, when you're when you're writing a remake or not a remake, when you're writing a sequel to Halloween, not only do you revisit this, the Halloween sequels that existed mm-hmm. to make sure you're not running into similar territory, but you also revisit the Jaws sequels because you have the same issues there with with a non-supernatural character that doesn't talk and you don't know anything about them psychologically. <laughs> so it, it is, it is very funny. similar to watch those movies too. I mean, even like Jaws the Revenge, you know, watch that and thinking about the, the choices of when a screenwriter was tasked with coming up with what to do here um, and got the... the honor of that job there, there was a lot of challenges because how do you keep it fresh and and not make it supernatural it's just that's that's the biggest challenge and, ever and make it and make it realistic space but yeah it's uh it's hard it's, it's 
to do what, what you're going to do with Bruce and Michael is its own its own <laughs> perplexing adventure. But it's uh, it's been really fun to to find creative a creative team and tackle these and play devil's advocate and come up with these ideas and and listen to fans, have conversation with fans, and and see what people respond to and what they don't, and then where that aligns with what we're our interests are creatively. So uh, we've just finished the third script. Oh wow! Um, so it's been really nice to have the these last few months just to, to know where we are because we locked picture for the most part before the, uh, the lockdown. And then I just been re kind of playing with over the last few weeks, the ending, but, um, uh, and, and, and trying to line that up nicely for, uh, for a third film. So if everybody, uh, can safely get back to work, I'm excited to jump into round three. Oh yeah. I, I, God, I hope soon. <laughs> If people Please. just would listen and we would be there already. Um, yep. <laughs> but my last question for you, uh, I wanted to ask, because this is something that Jamie and Judy uh, both um, had talked about, was that the, and I love how you handled the um, the first film in in the PTSD, basically, and the trauma of everything that has happened to Lori. And you kept that really grounded um, and real which I loved. Uh, this one is more about shared trauma and how Haddonfield and the people there like Tommy and Lindsay all have to deal with what they lived through. Um, can you talk about um, how important that is, especially in the world today with everything that's happened and is going on, what we're seeing on the news everywhere. Can you speak to using this horror genre to talk about that and how you utilize that in the script. Um, yeah, you know, it, 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 it feels... So another reason I got back into the edit of the last few weeks is because it does feel like a different... It's saying something different than it was, you know, before the middle of March. Right. Um, so, because it, it is, it's about fear. It's about um, anger, aggression, uncertainty... Communication, miscommunication, paranoia, um, unity. You know, the, the movie is, it, our working title was Mob Rules, right? So it was it was about Haddonfield. At one point we toyed with calling it Haddonfield as a movie, you know? Like, oh, wow. that was, because it is about that community and about the division in that community because everybody wants Michael dead, but everybody also has a different theory about how to go about doing that and different, you know, you know personal ethics or approach to that or um, how that could be done or should it be done. Um, so so that's the, the fun conflict that we had. And then now you see with so many conversations, um, cultural, political, you name it, medical, um, you see that same frustration in people, at least I do, that's what I witness, um, talking to people of various mindsets on various topics and and how easily stimulated they are and, and easily outraged they are or um you know you can think about any sort of heightened situation in the halloween universe and the threats that they face and the um the, the fear is speculation of fear that they have uh just a, a ripe for conflict conversation controversy all all the fun stuff that we look at in entertainment but here there's also a relevant realistic relatable backdrop happening 
on our earth at the very moment that we're telling the story. So it's pretty pretty strange, you know. Very weird, different world just in four months, for sure. Yeah, actually, I was talking to the AD of the film. I was talking to him this morning, and he hasn't seen the movie yet. And he was, and we were talking <laughs> about it. And but there's a lot of scenes with riots and mobs and that kind of thing. And he's like, how weird it will be to watch the movie with so much, you know, hands-on bodies, human bodies collected in in rooms and streets, and everybody, you know, massed together like that when we're coming out of a situation where we've been so distant for so long it'll just feel that much more claustrophobic yep and more and and more timely so yeah yeah. well uh, david thank you so much this was just fantastic and i really appreciate what you're doing and how you've you've treated the material and it's great to see a, a fan doing this and somebody that understands it and loves it as much as we do it's it's great well, that's great to hear, and, and uh, yeah, someday, someday I'll track down my neighbor, Lindsay Wallace, and let her know what she came with me. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, thank you so much, sir, and um, I definitely, uh, if you'd like, I'll, I'll send a copy of the issue once it hits stands for you, if you'd like to have a copy of it. That's great. I'd appreciate that. That's very cool of you. Awesome. Well, thank you, sir. Right. You have a good holiday, and uh, stay safe, all right? Thanks, you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.